Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to United. My name is Aaron. I am one of the pastors here, and it is good to see you on this bright, beautiful, lovely, wonderful day. Today, we get to do something unique and fun as a church, as a community. Over the course of the past six months, we have had several new babies enter into the midst of our community as they have been birthed forth and life has entered into their lungs, and here they are today in this place. We've had seven babies in the life of the church over the course of the past six months. Seven, that's a lot. And today we get to do a thing called baby dedication, where we're going to dedicate two of the babies within our midst, Eve and Forrest. Now, before we jump into this action of baby dedication, let me set up a little bit of what this thing is and why it is that we do it. Baby dedication is an opportunity for us as a church to not only affirm the parents and to say, you will never walk alone in this thing called parenthood, because yes, it is true, it takes a village (laughs) to raise a child. But also, it's an opportunity for the parents to say, This is how we plan on raising our child. We want to dedicate our children to the service of the Lord. That what we want to do is we want to dedicate our our role as parents to fostering an environment where this child will not only experience love, but where this child will experience the love of Jesus in our home and in the community with which we have brought him or her into. Today, the text that we're going to be looking at is as we continue in our series on Mark. The text is Mark chapter 10, and I'd like to read it because it pertains perfectly to this thing called baby dedication. So Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Let's pray for a moment, and then we'll invite the families forward. God, thank you for this time that we have to gather together as a church, as a people, not only to study your word, to dive into what it is that you have for us here in the midst of it, but also for us as a church to simply gather together, a people strewn about in different parts of the city, all coming together in one place that we may worship you and to revolt against the society that says otherwise. Father, may we be a people that are gathered together here in dedication to you and your service and your love. Father, this morning, bless us, bless the work of our hands and the words that will be spoken and uttered today. Bless our, our, uh, our love together and may we continue to grow into this new and fantastic community here in the city. It's in your son's name that we pray these things. Amen. Come on, families. Here we go. 
We have the Grindles and the Browns. So this is Nicole and Andy and baby Eve. And this is Trevor and Talissa and baby Forrest. They're so excited. Oh, look at that. Man, oh, he wants the coffee already. He's like, give me that coffee, Dad. He knows Dad's habits well. <laughs> I see what you do. I see what you do. Yeah, there it is. Forrest and I, we, we get along really well. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, what I want to ask you guys is there's a prayer that will be on the screen behind us. If you would, pray that together as a couple and as a family. And then as a congregation, let us pray this prayer together. We are here for you. We will model the love of Jesus to you and to Eve and Forrest. We will do everything in our power to help reveal Jesus in our midst, to help guide Eve and Forrest into relationship with Jesus, with love, grace, and kindness. We are here for you. You will never walk alone. Let's pray. God, for these families and for the work that you have done in them and will continue to do in them, Lord, we pray. And we ask for your favor and for your blessing upon their lives. Together, as you grow them as a family, as you show them new and amazing and beautiful things about who they are, not only as individuals, but as parents. Father, guide them and help us as a church family and as a community to walk alongside of them to make sure that they know that they'll never walk alone in this life. And for the days to come, may you continue to shower them with your love, with your grace, with your mercy, and with your kindness. It's in your son's name that we pray all of these things. Amen. All righty. Thank you, guys. When I was a little kid, I was super excited. I had just found my way on my knees, hands clasped. I was about four or five years old when I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart. I was super excited about this, and I got up and I wanted to tell everybody that was around me. And the first person that I found, I revealed to them what I had just done, and she looked at me and she said, oh, that's sweet, but you're too young for that. It completely shattered me. It shattered my understanding of who this Jesus was and what it was all about. That all of a sudden, in this moment, when I had just done everything that I had been taught to do up to the age of four in asking Jesus into my life of saying, yes, I, I want to submit my life to him because this Jesus that I've been learning about day in and day out in church, I think he is who he says he is and I really want to live my life for him at four years old. 
I truly believe that I understood what it was like to live the life of a Christian. And yet I was told, eh, that's cute, but you're too young. You're just too young. Throughout the majority of my life, I've looked at this passage in Mark chapter 10 through that lens of understanding that you should not do anything to hinder a child from coming to Jesus, whether they be four, three, two, one, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? All of the ages that you shouldn't do anything to hinder a child from Jesus, that every moment, every step that they take in coming near Jesus, that we should actually be encouraging of that, that we should foster an environment that pushes children towards that as much as possible without forcing it upon them. That's kind of what I understood as a kid and as a, an adult growing into this life, that these are the things that I should be doing for my child as she grows up and for other people's children to do nothing to, to hinder that, to harness all of their love and care and excitement and enthusiasm for Jesus and to help them explode into a life like that. That's what the disciples did, right? As children were coming towards Jesus, as parents were bringing their children to Jesus, the disciples kind of looked at all these kids and were like, get them out of here. No, 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 no. No kids allowed. This is a kid-free zone, right? And I, I started to wonder about this passage in that phrase, in that place, in that mood. Like, why would the disciples be like that? Why would the disciples be like, no, 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 no? Did they think that the kids were just a nuisance? That Jesus was actually about ready to, to teach? That he was about ready to speak to the masses that were in front of him? And in the midst of that, they're like, hey, 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 we need the kids to be quiet. And they're a little loud. Nobody's going to be able to hear Jesus in this moment. So shut your kids up and get them out of here. Right? Like, is that exactly what the disciples were doing in that midst? Like, we've got a nuisance that are children. We've got noise that are children. We've got a pain in the neck that are children. That he would, they were just pushing them out, pushing them away from the adults so that the adults could discuss adult types of things. Or maybe the disciples were actually a little bit paranoid that all these kids were run, running around Jesus, that all these kids were coming near him and climbing up onto their lap. Maybe they were a little bit paranoid. And that sounds a little strange, right? But if you understand the culture of what's happening in this time, you might, this, it might just start to make a little bit more sense why they were paranoid. We've been walking through this gospel of Mark, this, this book that, that kind of outlines who this Jesus is as a revolutionary sort of Jesus that is creating and crafting a narrative that says we are a different people that stand apart from this world that we are in. And in the midst of this, we've seen that Mark is actually writing to a people that are extremely oppressed and suffering at the hands of Rome. And Mark is writing to counteract the powers and the structures and the authorities of the Roman Empire in the midst of telling this story about who this Jesus is as he continues to weave this story together. Now, Mark is writing during the reign of the Emperor Nero, but Jesus actually was living during the time of the Emperor Tiberius. And this is 
Tiberius on a coin because we didn't have photographs back in, you know, 14 to 37 CE, right? So, like, there was no way to get an actual real good picture of this Tiberius, except they would stamp it on coins. They would create these stamps, and they would put it on coins, and then that would go throughout the entirety of the empire so that everyone could see the emperor. Everyone could see who this person was. Now, starting all the way back with Julius Caesar, anybody had to read that? before, right? Shakespeare's Julius Caesar? Yep. So you kind of know who we're talking about. Starting all the way back with Julius Caesar, all of the Caesars believed themselves to be gods that were deified and needed to be worshipped. In fact, when Julius Caesar died, they said that we saw Caesar ascending to the right hand of the throne, that we saw him moving up to the right hand of the throne of God, that there he was to sit at the side of God because he himself was a God. His children then also began to believe the same thing, that there was this huge narrative that was beginning to be birthed forth of like all of these emperors, all of these Caesars are now gods. And here we come down to Tiberius who too believed the same thing. I am a God to be worshipped, and everyone must worship me. And so here in this time is this Jesus who is beginning to do this work of the ministry throughout the land of Israel. And as he is in Israel, he is specifically, according to Mark, setting himself up in contrast time and time again to this emperor. Now, there's a lot of history written about Tiberius and about who he was, what kind of emperor he was, the kinds of things that he would do, whether he was good or whether he was bad. But Tiberius was really, really terrible to children. Really terrible to children. In fact, according to two of his most prominent historians, Tacitus and Suetonius, they both wrote that he did criminal acts towards children. That they, that there was actually, Tacitus actually said that there were terms invented for what Tiberius did to children. That he was so malicious in his sexual advances towards children, that terms had to be invented for what he did. And Suetonius said that what, Ta what Tiberius was doing was training boys in the acts of pleasuring him over and over again, that he was creating an environment that this is what he was doing with children. And here we have these disciples saying, get these kids away from Jesus. Get them away from him. We don't, we don't want a hint. We don't want an idea of what is happening here in this space to these kids. They're creating a boundary, so to speak, for this Jesus. We want to protect him from this. We want to make sure that Jesus has no ounce of seediousness about what is around him. So keep these kids clear. Keep these kids free from him. Don't bring them here. Can you hear the paranoia in their voices 
But Jesus in the midst of this is indignant. We talked about this word a couple of weeks ago. That This word indignant is that Jesus is actually angry. He's angry not at people, but he's angry at the systems and the structures. that these, This environment that has been created, that he is angry at the systems and structures of oppression, that he is angry at the systems and structures of exploitation and of violence towards people. And here in the midst of this, he is angry at what has been happening to children throughout the empire, specifically those that have been coerced and captured and taken by the emperor because the rumors had spread far and wide throughout the empire at this point in time. And Jesus is saying, no, let the children come to me because this kingdom, the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of Rome. The kingdom of God is set apart from the kingdom of Rome, that the empire of God is different than the empire of Rome, and that I, Jesus, am different than Tiberius. Let the little children come to me, and don't hinder them. Don't hold them away. Don't prevent them from being here, because I want you to see that children matter, that children are valued, that children belong here in this kingdom, and that they too have a role and a responsibility in this kingdom of God. So paranoid, sure, but Jesus was saying, my kingdom is different. My kingdom is different. Children are safe here with me. I value children. That's why we as a church have a lot of different safety procedures in place for kids and continue to develop more and more. Every, every worker that works with our kids has been background checked. We do these sorts of things because we want to make sure that the environment that our kids are in are safe. We want to make sure that they are okay, that they are safe here, and that nothing will hinder them from experiencing who Jesus is. We want to make sure that this is the environment that people experience within our church, and not just kids, but adults as well. We want to create and, and perpetuate a safe culture and environment here within the life of our church. Children have a vital role to play in the life of a community, in the life of a church, in the life of a family. One of the things that I'm continually fascinated with is the wonder of children. How children, their eyes light up as they see new things, as they experience new things, as, as, as they learn new things all around them. One of the things that I do with Elliot, my six-year-old daughter who is reading a book like usual, one of the things that I do with Elliot every single day that she gets pretty annoyed with, but I do it anyways, is every day that I pick her up, I ask her how her day was. But it's kind of a daily reflection, a, a daily examine, if you will. How was your day? And her answer is 99.9% .9 of the time, good. <laughs> How was your day? Good. What was your favorite part of the day? 
And she'll tell me different things. She'll tell me stories about how her friends made her laugh or how her, she enjoyed a, a, a particular element of school that day or her after-school program or some of the, the fun camps that she does throughout the course of the year. She, she tells me these things and she, one thing out of the day, and for a while she would say, I don't know. I'd be like, no, you do know. You just don't want to talk about it. So if you don't want to talk about it, just tell me you don't want to talk about it right now and I'll ask you again later. And so she would do that for a little bit, but now it's, she tells me these things. And I, I then ask her, like, oh, what was your least favorite part of the day? And she'll tell me, like, oh, when I fell off the monkey bars, or when, uh, when my friend said something mean to another friend. She'll tell these things that are, like, the worst part of her days. Then I usually ask her, like, what's one thing that made you laugh? And she'll tell me a funny joke that she heard on a podcast. She does a thing called chompers, which helps her brush her teeth, keeps her occupied for about three minutes, you know, how long you're supposed to brush your teeth. And it tells her when to switch, right? Like switch from your upper teeth now to your bottom teeth, right? And brush there and brush to the sides and in front and in the back. It's great, but she'll repeat a joke. That was the funniest thing of the day for her. Or what was the saddest thing of the day? Or the thing that made you the most angry? Walking through these different daily examined questions with her because the unexamined life is not worth living, right? Plato, Socrates. The unexamined life is not worth living. We want her to examine her life, but also we, I want to see life through her eyes. I want to see the things that she sees, experience the things that she experiences, because in my 39 plus years of life, I have grown jaded and cynical about certain things. And the joy and the wonder with which she experiences the world around us gives me hope. It makes me see the wonder that is possible that is out there. Heschel has this great quote in his book, I Asked for Wonder. He said, we dwell on the edge of mystery and ignore it, wasting our souls, risking our stake in God. Our mind has ceased to be sensitive to the wonder our mind has ceased to be sensitive to the wonder. Now, you don't have to have kids to experience the wonder through the eyes of a child. That's why it's so beautiful that we have children and babies and kids here in our community, in this space. In fact, we have a brand new, like, nursery section, I guess, right? Like in that back corner now where the babies get to play. And right before we started our gathering, 99% of the people were gathered around the babies, watching them laugh, watching them giggle, watching them attempt to roll over, watching them play with the different books and stuffies that are back there. Because children guide us towards wonder. They are so important in the life of a community. They're so important in the life of a believer. And I truly believe that the reason why Jesus said, don't hinder them, don't prevent children from coming near to me, is so that we too can begin to understand what this childlike faith looks like. That we can experience the wonder of God, the mysteries of God through their eyes as they open up and see the world anew with innocence and wonder. And awe. This is why children matter in the life of a community. 
And again, you don't have to have kids to experience this. Just find yourselves around children. Just find yourself making your way into their lives and into their worlds here in the life of this community. Here is an opportunity for us to teach them the ways of Jesus together as a community and as a family, as a people. Allow children, allow children to actually change us. You see, one of the things that I have begin to realize and recognize throughout the course of life. I, I used to do children's ministry and youth ministry way back in the day, a long time ago, in a land far, far away. When I did this thing called children's ministry and youth ministry, I found that I was not only experiencing what they were experiencing, but actually I was learning from them that they were actually changing me as much as I thought that I was impacting and influencing their life. As I was around these kids and as I would try and share the love of Jesus with them and just wrap my arms around them, at the same time, they were doing the exact same thing with me. I actually treated them more and more as an equal on this faith playing field. The more in which I elevated the things that they had to say about who this God was, the wonders and the insights that they had, even just the way in which they viewed the world around them, that they were beginning to change me and influence me and perk up my interest more and more about who this Jesus was and who this God was. That children actually change us as much as we change them if we come into that mutual submissive sort of relationship that Jesus calls us to. Now, any message talking about children, talking about how important children are, talking about the wonders and the awes of children, would be incomplete without a quote from Mr. Rogers. He said, I am very concerned that our society is much more interested in information than wonder, in noise, rather than silence. I'm very concerned that our society is much more interested in information than in wonder. That we have ceased to allow our imaginations to run rampant to allow our imaginations to run wild and allow our imaginations to explore the mysteries of God. All throughout the letters in Scripture, all throughout the letters in the New Testament, Paul writes about this mystery that is God, the mystery that is God's love for us, the mystery that is salvation, the mystery that is this incarnation, that, that Jesus came down and took on the form of a baby and grew to be a man. The mystery of what that is, that we have ceased to allow our imaginations to run rampant with those ideas and those thoughts, allowing us to experience who this God is in new and profound ways. Let us be a people that explore the mystery more. Allow us to be a people. May we be a type of people that venture further in and further up into the mystery of what it means to be a child, of what it means to have a faith like a child. May we experience more and more the laughter and the joy and the screams and the cries and the glee of children all in our midst. May we revel in that. May we learn from that. 
we experience that. And as a part, may, and as a part, may we be a better formed people because of the children in our midst. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.